0: Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens.
1: All right, welcome back to 99 for One. This is episode 20, our final episode of season one. For those of you who've been Tracking along with us, we've been on this journey looking for my best friend, Ed. We found out he's a meth addict. He's homeless in San Diego. And we've led now six trips. Uh, today, I have with me uh, Steve Bowman, who made five of the six trips with me. So welcome, Steve. Hey, Will. How's it going? Good, man. And today, as we're kind of closing out this first season, we want to stop and kind of push the pause button. Like, what did we learn on six trips to San Diego hunting for Ed? kind of overall ideas, lessons, things, stories, something that stands out to you. We had a whole lot of people go with us. What are some initial thoughts that stand out to you, Steve, about the journey overall? Journey overall is very humbling. I remember the first trip when we
0: were uh, panhandling on the street corner, hmm. um, not knowing what to expect there uh, it was very eye-opening. And the the people we met that first trip was just amazing.
1: Ray, (laughs) guitar
0: playing Ray, Ray. and then it changed me coming back. I looked at homeless people uh, a lot differently uh, versus walking by them. Yeah, I'd give them money, um, but now I find I take a little bit more time to actually stop and talk to people. You actually see the human side of people, hearing their stories of what they're going through and what they've gone through that actually put them on the street uh, was very eye-opening for me.
1: Right. And if you think early days, I feel like there was kind of an evolution of the trip. Trip one, not knowing what to do. We just knew we had some initial rules. We're not going to take food or money and we're going to kind of let our beards grow and look like they look and uh, take a backpack with a sleeping bag. And as we went along, we realized, okay, you don't need to beg for money there's enough nice places, churches and uh, nonprofits that'll feed us. You just got to know where to go and do a lot of walking, exactly. right? Exactly, yep. But then it was all about Ed, and we had ABC News do the story on us, but then there was these other people we met. And I remember one course change that, as the trip was evolving was the lady who wrote on Facebook. I couldn't even tell you who she was, but she wrote and said, Everybody you meet is somebody else's Ed, so make sure you take time. And so we would do this thing where we would say, you know, have you seen my friend? And we'd show a photo of Ed. And then we would say, what's your story? And you think about Kyle, who we met. The young 21-year-old addict from uh, Irvine, California. Yep. As we said, Ray and uh, Gypsy.
0: Gypsy. Another one sticks out in my mind is Sean, the the kids whose parents had a business right there in uh, Ocean Beach.
1: Right. Good-looking kid, and he was an addict, but... I had this whole other story of why why are you on the streets and your parents have a business in town. and I I think of some that we never saw again. Right. Uh, We saw Joaquim again, uh, but we never saw Ray again. We never saw Kyle again. Some of them were just kind of a one-time interaction, and it, it moves you, and then you wonder what happened to them.
0: Exactly. I the, the second trip, I expected to go back and pick up where we left off and, and see everyone that we met, and then to find out that you know, seventy five percent of the people we became friends with were no longer there, and no one knew where they disappeared to. So, and that was kind of eye opening. Is where do these people go? Is it just a is it transient where they're just there and gone? We hear that the weather will change if, they're, if they stay in town or not. I was kind of hoping to pick up where we left off and, and did not have that opportunity. It kind of started from scratch that second
1: trip. Yeah, that, that was interesting. We also learned that every area was, had its own feel to it, its own culture, if you will. When we went to St. Vinny's downtown, it's a rough, almost feels like you're in prison, kind of a, a gang-style yes. uh, homeless Population, and they actually said the the police said we were allowed to sleep there. We we're like, no thanks, you know. Uh, how many how many murders do you have here a week? Uh, and then we went to Ocean Beach, where we spent a whole lot of time, as you said, on your first trip, my second. We uh, got to know a lot of those guys. By the end of the week, we were bringing pizza to them, hanging out. And then on trip uh, three for you, uh, trip three for us, um, trip two for you, the crowd changed. Yes. We we hardly found anybody that was the same. That community was almost, you felt like you were in a time warp back to the 60s or 70s. Very hippie-like, bohemian, with a whole lot of more drug experimentation.
0: Yes, it, it seemed very dark to me that first night. I think AG even pointed out that I, I looked like I was a little scared. I think I was. I It just, I didn't I didn't get the same vibe as the first trip that, uh, that we had.
1: Right, and then we found Pacific Beach. We started going there because we found there were meals up that way. And that crowd has kind of stayed the same as we've continued to go. That's kind of an older crowd, a little yes. more safe, uh, a lot of alcoholism and mental illness. Uh, but then you've got this same kind of crew of people we see every time we go. So it's interesting that one one area is constantly changing. It's more the drifters, whereas another is kind of an older, these are the homeless studies. There's a few few that change faces, but other than that, you can ha- carry on conversations but we thought all along in those first six trips, we're just hunting for Ed. Where is he? Right. And it, we were always so driven. We, we would, on the final day, just keep hunting if we thought there was another lead. But one thing that stands out to me about trip six is the lead started to go cold. Yes. I mean, it was discouraging. I thought if we, as he left the town, we had the one week where we thought he was dead and the morgue was able to tell us, no, his body is not turned up, which we were thrilled to hear. But then we thought, well, where is he? Right. And we're going deep getting to know more homeless guys and like Paul and some of the others. But uh, the, the whole idea of where's Ed kind of evaded us. Uh, we had one lead that um, it Pacific Beach, if you remember that little taco joint. Yes. Some, the guy said, Oh, I'm pretty sure I've seen him. And then he got us more excited because he said, I've got a videotape, surveillance tape, we can look at. Yeah, we got pretty excited when we heard that. So so we came back every day hoping to see this video footage that we're going to see Ed on. Sure enough, the guy could never produce the video. And I want to tell you, for those of you, the number one question we get asked is, did you find Ed, right? Correct. And so I want to tell you this, as we're closing out season one, we did find Ed. So yes, we did. We found him on trip seven so we we do want you to stay tuned in season 2 we're gonna open up episode 1 season 2 by talking about trip 7 and the trip where we actually finally found Ed but uh, we wanted to dedicate kinda closing out the season to lessons learned you know Steve we ask the question every week uh, what about you and me what can we apply to everyday life you said how these trips have changed you if you were speaking directly to our listeners and saying gosh Things I've learned that I try to apply now that I've made umpteen trips. Um, what would you say? What would you pass along? Words of wisdom, things that stood out to you, or any particular stories that influenced you above above another?
0: I would say the the main thing is in living in the Ashburn area. I I've, I feel like I tend to walk around with blinders on, and you know, going from a coffee shop to the grocery store, or whatever. Never taking the time to you know ask a person how their day is or how their day is going or even to say hi to people and this trip has taught me regardless of of your you know how rich you are how poor you are everyone likes the human contact everyone uh, regardless of who you are you're gonna have a bad day and just opening up and, and chatting with people about their day it opened my eyes that uh, everyone's going through issues. It just gave me that opportunity to uh, be a little more bold and start talking to more people around me, reaching out to more people.
1: I had a trainer early in my career when I did youth work, and Chuck Reinhold, and he used to say, "Ask best friend questions." Too many people stay in the superficial all day long. How's the weather? How's the sports? How's the? You know, you keep it one layer deep. And you're right. I, I I realized that on those trips, we started part of the evolution that we learned over the multiple trip journey, was it was first just about Ed. Then it was well, let's spend a little time, more time with every person we met and say, what's your story? You heard these amazing stories. I mean, some um, heart-wrenching stories. Some just kind of broke you, like Kyle uh, being abused by his foster parents. But there were other stories where you just had hope and you wanted to stand with some people. But the second kind of evolution and what we kind of learned as, as the trips evolved and we picked up new ideas was we would take Uber rides and, and ride in both Uber and Lyft cars when we had to get somewhere quickly to a feeding or a meal somewhere. And when we did that, we would have the same conversations with the drivers, right? Yes. There were drivers that were like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) You know, they would see backpackers. We'd have our backpacks on and they would say, you know, did you you miss the trailhead? Where are you guys at? There's, it's not a common occurrence to have hikers through San Diego. Exactly. And then they would ask and we'd tell them, hey, we're hunting for this guy who's homeless. And do you remember any of those conversations with some of the drivers? Yeah, a lot of them
0: were surprised, but they were moved by it. Almost every single person we spoke to was just... Amazed that we were there doing what we were doing, and I actually met a few that uh, had worked with homeless and were, you know, very appreciative of what we were doing. Kind of cool to meet those kind of people there.
1: And and to your point of just noticing people everywhere we go, that that became. I remember we would have then ask them the question, "What's your story?" And ended up with some guys that were the drivers saying, "Is there something we can pray for for you?" And I remember one particular driver on uh, the trip I was with, I think it was trip five with Gumby and Tom. And he said, I've been thinking about killing myself. And he's an Uber driver. He said, I'm depressed. He told us what was going on with his family and his falling away from his mother and his brother and his only his only uh, family support. And he said he'd been thinking about taking his life. And when we encouraged him and prayed with him, he he was moved to tears and said, I, I, I need to change my life. Thanks for riding with me. This was a godsend. And, and here it is, he's not homeless right?
0: Exactly. But he's yes. human. Yep.
1: And he, and he had some stuff. And he was waiting for somebody to have a real conversation with him. It, it, like I said, Chuck would say a best friend conversation. So the, the quicker we get one application for me is the quicker we get to those kind of conversations and they can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be a homeless guy It could be somebody at your grocery store that you shop at and you just notice it looks like they're down. We can't have those conversations if we're always moving at warp speed, Exactly. if the pace of our life is always rushed. You'll never have the time or the bandwidth to slow down and ask the person in front of you, how are you doing? Because you probably don't want them to answer, right? Exactly. I don't have the time for you to, you know, we we move around in life saying, how you doing? Good. Good, Good's the appropriate answer. Keep moving. You stop with a total stranger and say, not good, really poorly. Can we talk? Most people are not really looking for that.
0: And it's funny you mentioned that because I remember a message that you'd given one time about this. And you said to ask people, but ask them a second time. And I've taken that to heart to, to ask people a second time, are
1: you really doing okay? Right. Yeah, because most people on the first, how you doing? They know socially it's acceptable to say, good. But if you say that second, you ask the same question twice, how are you really doing? You're really giving somebody permission to be real, to be authentic, and then and then it better be time for us to lock in and listen and give somebody. That's that's the other skill we kind of got along the way. You got to give somebody your full attention. Yes, you know listening matters. If you got, we we took one young millennial, I won't mention on the trip, but I remember he was constantly distracted by his own social media. He wanted to Snapchat it or Instagram it or Facebook it or do something, and. He, at one point, we honestly we were praying with a guy. It was it was uh, Eric and I, and uh, and and we were praying a guy named Ward and this this other person. Eric was not the millennial, but this other person I noticed. He said, "I'll take the lead on the prayer," and and everybody's closing their eyes praying for this alcoholic named Ward. And I looked up, and the guy who offered to pray, this young millennial, was videotaping his prayer. He was putting it out live, and I was just beside myself. I, I opened my eyes and when I saw it, I, I poked him and pointed at him and said and mouthed, shut it off. Because who are you performing for? Exactly. You know, a lot of us go through life and that would be an extreme example of being self-centered, just thinking what everybody thinks about you and promoting yourself. As opposed to if you honestly ask somebody how they're doing and care about them and engage and listen. Right? Exactly. People know the difference, right? Yes, they do. I'm glad Ward didn't open his eyes and see he was being videoed. Just a thought uh, for those of you listening. I'm sure there's somebody in in your day, on your journey at your Starbucks or your coffee shop or your grocery store, the cleaners where you pick up your clothes or whatever your daily routine is. There are people along the way that if we just slowed down and, and were willing to ask them how they're doing, it may be a life changer for some. Yeah. Like that Uber driver. Yep. And then, and then a step further, you're like, well, I don't know what I could offer them if they're struggling. You could offer a prayer. Offer just to let them know you, you care about them. We did that many a times with some of the people that we had conversation with. Right. And, and just the fact that you take the time to listen makes a difference. So anyway, we want to say thanks for tuning in to 99 for 1. Hope you enjoyed Season 1. Season 2 will be back. We'll be back within two to three months with a whole new season. And as I said, Season 2, Episode 1 the uh, day and trip we came face to face with my, my best childhood friend, Ed Pelsner. So hope you don't miss that and hope you've enjoyed this season. You can check us out at uh, 99for1story.com and also pick up the book on Amazon. Yep. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for taking me on all these trips. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming, man. I-
0: You've been listening to 99 for One, a podcast of real life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening.